Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Baby bag dope, baby fall off, sipping codeine cause I got a killer cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. The game may be over, but they are just getting started. Raw and unfiltered, this is the OU Insider staff, and this is the Under the Visor postgame podcast. Welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I am down in Florida having just watched Azaria Thomas last night, and we'll get into that later on. You're a more fortunate man than me, Brandon, yes, because I was in Lawrence today. <laughs> oh, my man Parker Thune was in Lawrence, and I think we need to get to the gist of and we don't need to bury the lead. We need to get right to it. And that is 100%. Oh, they're, they're talking. I'm And this is a, the unfortunate thing about doing a post-game podcast is that Bob Stoops is now talking about the OU Kansas game. And I really want to hear what he has to say about this whole deal. But I'll have to see it later on. Anyways, Oklahoma wins 35-23 in a game that they did not lead until the fourth quarter. This game gave me a migraine. 
Brandon. It gave everybody. I was, and I don't ever show emotions because I don't really care, but I, my frustration was, and I think it was throughout the whole beat, mind you, because you could tell. And I was DMing with guys that you would not believe would have emotion about this, and they were pissed because I don't think the fans understand that when OU plays like this, Ultimately, everybody takes it out on us because the coaches don't have to deal with the ramifications of it. We're the punching bag for the fans. Literally, the punching bag for the fans. The, the, the media, we don't like it any more than you all do. I promise you. Life is so much better when OU is kicking the living crap out of everybody. Everybody's happy. We can go write all these fluff pieces. We don't have to get on this podcast and say they look like complete dog shit during the first half. And I, I censored myself for you in case you had kids in the car. And I'm telling you right now, this might've been the worst first half performance I have ever seen an OU football team play. And this goes back to 2014 against Clemson. This goes back the first half, two weeks ago against Texas. This goes back to freaking John Blake. They had some clunkers back then. Let me tell you, I'm 38 years old. I grew up during those times. And I think that probably gives me a little bit more levity also with a lot of the fans that are older than us and, and you particularly like Parker, I'm like the middle guy, right? That in my generation, the people older than me and younger than me, your generation and a little above you have never seen, Oh, you suck. My formative years, they were awful down right awful from the time I was in fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they were the worst team in the big eight and it wasn't close. So I have a little bit, little bit more levity than most people when it comes to this stuff, but even today was a piece of crap performance. It Brandon, was awful. Go ahead. Watching. I'm going to rant forever. If you don't stop me, I promise you. <laughs> okay. I'll do my best. Brandon watching that first half was like bleeding out. It was like, oh my gosh, when is this going to stop? When is this going to end? Shoot me now. Because miraculously, the score at the intermission was only 10 to 0. But let me tell you what happened in that first half. In case some of you missed this game and are just catching up on the absolute debacle that took place in Lawrence today in the aftermath, Kansas held the ball for 23 minutes in the first half. Kansas absolutely suffocated Oklahoma defensively and they chipped away and wore down and just battered Oklahoma offensively. Their first scoring drive was 14 plays, 80 yards for a touchdown to open the game. They put together a similar drive that ultimately culminated in a field goal. Thanks to an ill-timed penalty, but it would have been a touchdown if not for that penalty, because Jason Bean, uh, scampered in for a touchdown run that was called back due to a holding infraction. And then they put together another really good drive late in the second quarter that culminated in a missed field goal. So I think the most concerning thing to me outside of the fact that Oklahoma could get nothing going offensively against the absolute scum of the big 12 for the last decade <laughs> it, is the fact that Kansas gashed Oklahoma hmm. They gashed Speed D. They gashed Alex Grinch's unit. 
without the benefit of anything resembling a big play. Right? Yeah. There were no there were no game breaking plays from Kansas no. in that first half. It was three yards here, five yards there, third down conversion. Oklahoma could not get off the field. Oh, Brandon, they could not get off the field. Well, even when they got pressure on Bean, it was like they would get pressure on Bean, and you almost knew what was about to happen when they got pressure. He rolls out, he runs around, and bam, there's a dude that's wide ass open, wide open. Like, and then, and then here you are at halftime. And the Kansas athletic department is inviting everyone in and around Lawrence to come to the game and walk in the gates free of charge to help incite the Jayhawks in route to a potential upset of Oklahoma. which I think bit them in the butt, by the way. And I do want to say, and I'm, I'm going to give my theory on this and let me, let me, let me spin this at you for a second. Please do. Riley made a made a comment, and this is what made me think of this: was that he said this was the best atmosphere that he's ever seen in Lawrence since he's been coaching at Oklahoma. Well, it got better and better and better. The atmosphere. All that did was, I think, wake you up, because the louder the crowd got, the more intensity the game got. Mm. the more focused it seemed they got on both sides of the ball, because you kind of saw midway through the third quarter, it, it, you, you, you felt it. I know you felt it. Cause I felt it through the TV that at that point you knew, okay, OU is not losing this game. Like it, it was almost a given at that point because you could see the way they were playing defensively. Yeah. They may have gave, given up a third down or a fourth down here or there, but they were flying around and giving effort at that point. And he knew that wasn't going to, Kansas wasn't going to be able to sustain that type of play with Oklahoma locked in and focused. And I think that was, that wasn't a very smart move. It sounded great in theory, but in case they had the upset so they could rush the field and look like they didn't have anybody at the game. And like, there wasn't like 20 people rushing the field. <laughs> they happened to beat Oklahoma. But at the end of the day, I think you woke Oklahoma up doing so, and it bit you in the It was kind of one of those deals where, in theory, it sounds like a great idea, but is it a great idea to wake up the monster? Like, do you well, want to get and the monster woke wake up. up? And is. the monster did wake up because Oklahoma went three drives. By the way, three possessions in the first half, if my memory serves me oh, correctly. Yeah. Here, three really. possessions. Three, so and Kansas- out, three and out, interception, and a punt. Exactly. So Kansas <laughs> followed the script that West Virginia used, that Nebraska used, that Kansas State used to play low possession football with Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and it, it worked brilliantly. And Caleb Williams threw an uncharacteristic interception. They shot themselves in the foot with penalties down the stretch in the first half. And I want to touch on the interception whenever you're done talking, by the way. So Okay, please do. And you're going into halftime having been held scoreless in the first half for the first time since the 2014 Russell athletic bowl, Brandon, that was Mm -hmm. not a great day in the history of the Oklahoma Sooners. Anytime the last time an occurrence of X happened in the Russell athletic bowl, generally you can assume that whatever X was, it was ignominious to say the very least. Now on the flip side, Oklahoma's offense came out in the second half and thoroughly flipped the script because they had five drives in the second half and every single one of them culminated in a touchdown. So the offense woke up. Now the defense was freaking atrocious start to finish today. Pitiful, 
absolutely pitiful. And if I know some people will be sitting there listening and say, Oh, they played better in the second half. Did they? Because Kansas's last drive of the game, five plays, 28 yards, 11 yards, three yards, 19 yards, 14 yards, touchdown length of the field in five plays. No, they had they a drive the, in the, in points. the ball game. They were driving in. They, uh, oh, I, I actually, if, okay. You're what, talking like full. What was okay, effectively talking, the last drive? Right, I, I got you. 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 Yeah. So Oklahoma's defense at all three levels today was ugh, hideous, hideous. I cannot single great. out. I cannot single out a performer that had an overall good day, save for two guys, Danny Stutzman and Ethan Downs. Those two guys played good football today. Key Lawrence made a really nice play, stripping the ball, creating a takeaway and getting Justin Broyles on top of it to cement the Sooners lead at that point, because that was right after they'd just taken their first lead of the ball game. Key Lawrence forces the fumble. Oklahoma gets the ball in great field position and they cash it. But my goodness, this defense was absolutely awful today. And there's absolutely no reason why it should have been this awful against Kansas. It's Kansas. If there's one game that should be a walk in the park for speed D, it is that inept unit. They don't even have Puka Williams anymore. Puka Williams is <laughs> NF, is in the NFL. Like, who does this Kansas offense have? Their best player is Kwame Lasseter, whose dad was pretty good at football, by the way. But still... The fact that Kwame Laster is your best offensive player by a long shot and your starting quarterback couldn't crack it at North Texas, that's pretty damning. The fact that you could not get anything going defensively. And look, here's what it comes down to. Here's what it really boils down to. If Oklahoma doesn't have Caleb Williams wearing the crimson cream, they obviously don't beat Texas. I'd go, I'd venture to say they don't beat TCU last week, and they certainly don't win this football game. Caleb Williams saved Oklahoma's bacon today. That dude, and the interception was not great. He had a running back wide open in the flat, decided to take a shot downfield instead, and got burned on it. But the way he played in the second half, and the play, <laughs> the play that he made on fourth and one, the one that we will talk, we will be talking about for generations to come as the moment that we realized not only was Caleb Williams physically special, but he was also really mentally special as well. That play showed me every, it answered every lingering question about the kind of football player that Caleb Williams is because to make that play in that moment just requires an insane degree of competitiveness, mm -hmm. leadership, and a willingness to put the team on your shoulders and to take a massive risk. Because let's be honest, there's a very real chance that you're trying to grab that ball out of Kennedy Brooks's lap and it gets jarred loose and that ball's on the turf. And maybe Kansas is running the other way with it. So yeah, the fact that Caleb Williams did that, and there was there were plenty of other plays that he made in this game, obviously the touchdown run from 40 yards out on fourth and three, which was kind of, to be honest, it was almost a carbon copy of his touchdown run against Texas in that he ran off tackle was dead to rights in the backfield, slipped a couple arm tackles and had nobody in between him and the end zone. That was huge. And I think that really put Oklahoma in the driver's seat 
that made the transition from, Oh, okay. Oklahoma has momentum to no Oklahoma is very clearly in the driver's seat here. Right. But I think that play on fourth and one where he snags the ball from Kennedy Brooks, who's going down in the backfield and lunges forward to get the first down and preserve the win. That you could look back on this, depending on how the rest of the season unfolds for Oklahoma. We're going to look back on that moment as one of the most impactful moments of this entire season for Oklahoma, because let's be honest, Brandon, let's be real honest with ourselves. I'm not convinced Oklahoma's defense is making a stop there. I'm really not. Um, and I would point, agree. <laughs> and at that point, you're facing at best a one-point deficit, at worst a three-point deficit with who, who knows how much time left, but not very much. And you got to go the length of the field to even it up or win it. And you're giving Kansas mm-hmm. all the momentum back. So that was a play that the Sooners needed, like all caps needed. And right. he went and made it. And it was a one of a kind play, the likes of which I have never seen in my lifetime on a football field. And it just, it just goes to show what a special, special football player and special talent Caleb Williams is. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> he is, he's different. He is, he's very special. The, the interception I do want to touch on for a second because he had Eric Gray standing or no Kennedy Brooks over it was one of the two i can't remember now it's been a lot of up and downs in the plays since then i'm sure you're reading my text so we don't need to talk about it but, but i'm sure you you, you see it uh, the screenshots um <clears throat> but so <laughs> i just can't stop laughing about what i sent you anyways um yeah man look that interception, all you had to do was throw it out to the flat. Don't don't make facial expressions about it when I'm talking. <laughs> My apologies. No one no one else knows what's going on right now. But this is between me me and you, this is hilarious. Continue. Okay. But so no, he had a guy. I mean, he had a running back. I can't remember if it's Eric Gray or Kennedy Brooks now off the top of my head, and it's driving me crazy. Whoever it was, they stood over there. They could have they could have went and got a fire, built the wood, and got it going. When nobody would have touched him. There was nobody within 40 yards of him. All he had to do was turn and look and just up up. Instead, he tried for the big play. And I think that was kind of the the because he had completed a lot of those 50-50 balls. As a matter of fact, every one of them up to that point. So I think that was kind of one of those deals where he finally realized, okay, I got it. I can't do that. And I thought the other heady thing about the game was, and even though it's not a rule anymore, I like the fact that Caleb realized it, that it could have been a potential rule. So in the fourth quarter, and this shows you just how mindful this kid is, he runs, he runs off to the left on his own read, but, but 15, 16 yards or whatever. He gets a first down, prances out of bounds, and as he's walking back or running back to the huddle, he's yelling at himself for going out of bounds because he thought he stopped the clock. He forgot that it keeps running unless you were, uh, I don't know, is it under two minutes is when it stops at that point now if you go I out of bounds? so. Yeah. yeah. So, and it was, and it was like 320 left or whatever in the game. So he's mad at himself, but I thought, I love the fact that he's 
mindful enough to go, dang it, man, I made a stupid mistake. And he puts it on himself. Not a lot of quarterbacks would do that in the spur of the moment. They wouldn't even think about it at the time until you got and started watching the film later on, on Sunday or Monday. So it was all in all his play though, kind of rough in the first half, but again, how could it have been great when you only get three possessions and your defense is on the field, the whole first half, uh, he, he played really well. I mean, he ended up with what, 178 yards passing two touchdowns, one interception and 70 yards rushing off eight attempts. I think he averaged like seven. I'm looking at it right now, or I was looking at it. Let me look at He is out. He averaged 8.8 yards of carry <clears throat> longest was 40, obviously on that fourth and three. And again, I think we all have to go back and maybe at the end of the year, as far as not just a game saving in a season saving play that Caleb Williams did with that fourth and three or fourth and two or one or whatever it was um, where he took the ball from Kennedy Brooks. I think it may have been one of those Heisman moments too, because it, and then on the same note, so was that fourth and three earlier in the game. I just think those, those type of plays are what is going to keep him in the forefront of all the Heisman voters on down the road. And I know it's weird talking about that after Oklahoma played so horrendously bad, but at the end of the day, they're eight. No, they've won 17 straight games or 16 straight games or whatever it is. And, but we need to they, fire Alex Grinch, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah guys. And I, we, we, yeah, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that. So we might as well talk about that since, since you brought it up. Sooners fans, take a deep breath, take a deep breath and relax again. Like I said earlier, I'm one of those Brandon, guys that lived through the I don't want to relax. The defense sucks. This team sucks. How can they possibly be expected to go into January and, and compete win a game? against the Blue Bloods in the college football playoff? You mean please, the teams that have one loss please tell outside me. of Georgia? He's got to compete against those. He's got to compete against those. Well, I can tell fire you. Fire Lincoln Riley. Same, fire Alex Grinch. The same, the same fire way everyone, the people that beat Brandon. those teams competed against them. It's pretty simple. I, I am a full believer, and I don't think all is going to be solved. Now, I want to preface this. Not everything's going to be solved when they get the injured players back. But it's going to be a hell of a lot better than it is now. And if you don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. You're just trying to be super negative all the time. All you have to do and, is go back and look at the first three or four weeks of the season. Exactly. And how, you, uh, that's what I was about to say. How quickly this pivots. Because yeah, they were one of the three best weeks ago, we were country. saying... Three weeks ago, the VIPs on our board were saying, pay Grinch, pay him yes. whatever he wants. Keep him in Norman. We cannot afford to lose him. And now, now here we are three weeks later. And I, I literally, bro, I literally read somebody say, well, the third and fourth stringers should be just as good as a first and second stringers. What? Yeah. There's great. a reason why they're third and fourth string. Exactly. And so my answer to them was this, and I want every OU fan to listen to me, open your ears up and listen to me just for a second. Hear me out on this. Yes. The first stringers and the second stringers should not be giving up big plays. And guess what? They really didn't to start the year. Here's what OU did to start the season. They gave up 35 points. Guess what? 17 of those 35 were off uh, Spencer Rattler turnovers. Just so y'all were, just want to throw that at you. Fumble and two interceptions in that first game. 
the second game, how many points did you give up in, in game two? 13, 16, it was 16, right? No, they gave up zero. They gave up zero in game two. And I know it was Western Carolina. What do you freaking yeah, do? They gave There's up 16 up. In, in game three to Nebraska. They gave up 16 in game three. And they gave up 13 the game the week after, right? So yes. against power, against two power five programs, a G5 program, and a division one double A, you know how what they were averaging a game at that point in the first four weeks, giving up? Well, seven let me do some half. quick math. No, it's seven and a half, I'll tell you. Seven and a half. Wait, hold on. Zero? In the, you're talking about the first four weeks? Yeah. Zero, 16, Maybe, maybe 13, it's first three weeks. I'm, my math 30, is bad. I'm, 35. I'm a journalist major. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They average 16. 16, 16 and a half. 16 and a half. That's what I meant. Not seven and a half. 16 and a half is what it was. Thank you, Parker. I'm not the best mathematician, and I never claim to be. Yeah, that's why we're but, in uh, journalism. Exactly right. Um, but here's the thing. Is... Still, 16 and a half points a game is really good. No matter how you slice it, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're only giving up 16 and a half points a game, you're going to win every game. Guaranteed. Guaranteed, unless your offense is Clemson. <laughs> but wait, that's, that's neither here nor there. But I, at the end of the day, I just want OU fans to realize, during those first four weeks, guess what the, the common denominator was for OU? They had everybody. DTY missed the West Virginia game, but he came back for the Texas game. And he played one play. No, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the West Virginia game that he missed because he had an interception in that West Virginia game. Okay, it wasn't it was but the, he got uh, hurt he got hurt against uh, he got hurt against Nebraska or was it West Virginia he got hurt against it was Somebody West Virginia, stepped, I believe, okay. where he got okay, hurt. Okay, see yeah. I'm all I'm my games are all screwed up here, but my point is is that but he came back. Who did he miss? Who did he, what 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 game it was K State, Kansas K-State State game. Kansas State Kansas yep. State game. Yes. And all of a sudden when OU's without Woody Washington. Jalen Redman, who was now out at that point. Uh, DTY. Now you got DJ Graham out. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And it's not an excuse. This is facts. Those four guys are four of the best players in the Big 12 at their position. And now, it's not close. That said, that said, I also think. There are a few things with regard to this oh, defense's performance oh, today. Oh, yes. That are yes. Well, and especially inexcusable. Given what we saw last inexcusable. Week, it, uh, utterly inexcusable. Having Billy Bowman play outside cornerback. Let's start there. Billy Bowman does yeah, not need not, to be out. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Look, no, he doesn't. He's he, a nickel. he might be. He might be that guy one day. He's not that guy right now. So you're not that was, guy. Fella. Was a, you're not that guy. Exactly. <laughs> it was abundantly clear. Last week, that that was not Billy Bowman's strong suit, and yet no, Alex they, Grinch yeah, they did it again. decided to trot him out right back out there this week to do uh, the number seven thing. and number now, one are pretty good. By the way, I just want they they play pretty well. Yes, today. yes, they are, and they're large yeah. and they're physical, and they can go toe to toe with most any receiver you put them up against. Now, uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> I I think I'm I'm finally at the end of my rope with Jaden Davis. Like I've finally, like what? Oh, have you really? Oh, like, I, I, oh I've, I've been made excuses for the Ugh. guy, and I've Ugh. been critical of him, sure. But especially given the 
the good football that he played towards the front half of his career as a sooner. I was willing to cut him some slack, man. He is, he's just bad. He's he not have playing any good football anymore. right now. No, he has zero confidence in his game. And that's the thing. Like I, I, I told you, I had coaches in South Florida asking what has happened to Jaden Davis. And I'd look at them and I said, ah, he has no confidence. They said, well, he was so good when he got down there. Like his freshman year, he was good, like really good. And all of a sudden he can't do it. And I don't know, I don't know who burnt him that caused him to just lose his confidence, but he's never gotten it back. And it is a shame, man, because yeah, he's not the biggest guy, but he's always played with a swagger and a tenacity that made him good on the field. And he was physical. Now he gets just, have you watched him try to shake off a block now? It's like, he doesn't care. It's yeah, like, he it's, doesn't it's care. Not a, it's not a pretty picture for, there's no right effort. And I defense. hate bashing a kid. I hate coming after it, but it really was like, he didn't care. I, I specifically watched him for a good portion when he was out there and I'm just shaking my head going, this dude is playing so tentative and scared that I don't, I, He's not the same Jaden Davis. That we it's saw a liability. He is, he is barely a shell of the Jaden Davis that we saw in 2019. And it is a shame. And the other thing too, this is not exclusive to the defense, but it falls more on the defense based on what we saw today. Penalties. Oh, I asked were, about that. By oh the way. my goodness. You're not going to get away with committing that many penalties against a team like Baylor or Oklahoma state or Iowa state down the stretch in November. You're not and with the amount of stupid penalties that were committed yeah. today. It was bad. This is, it's not sustainable. This had better be a blip because if you do that again, you're going to get burned. You will. I promise you, you will end up on the losing end of the scoreboard. This is I should so say that weird. because maybe Caleb Williams is just that good that he'll be able to deliver Oklahoma from whatever hole they dig themselves in. But you cannot win a game. You cannot beat good football teams. You cannot beat smart and well-coached football teams committing uh -huh. stupid penalties like Oklahoma did today. No. And is it not weird? We're like sitting here like nitpicking over every little negative thing <laughs> because there was so much negative in this game. And yet at the end of the day, there's still eight. No, <laughs> for the first time, for the first time in six, 18 years, 18 years. Yeah. Let me, uh, <laughs> has it really been that just, long? Has it really let me been just that, 18 years? one thing on here, Brandon? Oh, let's keep it going, if, brother. <laughs> if Jeremiah, I want Hall, negative. if Jeremiah Hall doesn't find a way to jump on his own fumble at the beginning of the third quarter. Oh man. That oh. could have gotten real ugly, real quick. And to be honest with you, he didn't have it. He just happened to roll over and, and the guy yep. was dumb enough to roll over with him to make it look like he had the ball. So if you're on top yep. and you're on the bottom of the, the pile, they're instantly going to give you the ball. Cause it looks like you were the one that had the mat possession first, <clears throat> but Kansas had it. Kansas had it again. Uh, I, Oh my God. I just watched DJ Ungolele. Oh, I said it right, by the way. It's Ooh, Uyunglele. Uyunglele. Oh, Parker, why did you do that to me, man? <laughs> Didn't he get do benched a, today? I don't know. I watched him do a shovel pass right to, he probably did off that play, the shovel pass right to the 
Pittsburgh defensive lineman. Literally, I thought I saw that circulating on Twitter that DJ had gotten benched. Well, Dr. Pepper, that, that transfer portal thing may come true. Dang, there's a there's a lot of rat poison <laughs> with NIL because you got your top two preseason Heisman favorites now riding the pine. Golly, yeah, but was he ever really that? I mean, it, I don't know. He was pretty good last year in the couple of games that he played. I Alabama. It's easy to say nothing. now, but I like I understand why there was so much hype surrounding DJ. But no, he has not been impressive. Oh my. Seven seven. Look at look at look at Tennessee go. Wow, wow, wow. Wonder how yeah. long that'll last. Great question. I'm gonna go watch it and find out. Um, but so what is your, I mean, obviously if you were going to say a player of the game and I hate doing players of the game because I think it's, especially in a game like this, because I think it's, I don't know that I could find a defensive player of the game. If I'm going to be honest, like, and if I go look at the stats, I mean, Shane Witter played really good in, in spurts, which I think he just earned himself more playing time. And I, I think you and I have talked about this in past podcasts and this, I know we have when just you and I talking that, his play has, I think, deserved him. And you've, you're the one that actually brought it up more than me. His play, I think, has put him in position to where he should probably garner a little bit more playing time. Just a At this point thought. in time, Brandon, I don't know that anybody on that defense has really legitimately earned the right. At least nobody in like a rotational role right now has earned the right to get more playing time, save for, like I said, Ethan Downs, Danny Stutzman. Winfrey, really Winfrey like played really well. He did Shame. play really well. Well, Win, Winfrey's solidly entrenched as your nose tackle. He's not, he's not a rotational player. Not Winfrey. You know I'm sorry. I'm Shane Witter. Shane Witter. I keep saying Winfrey. Shane Witter. Witter. Yeah, no, no, no. Witter, like I said, I, I really liked what I saw from Witter today. and Oh, he's really good today. It's pretty yeah, clear that that's, uh, that's that why I meant. Depth chart sorry. is wide open. Yes. We saw Danny Stutzman get a lot of snaps today. Yeah, and but I he, would be surprised he, if that he got sucked in a couple of times on some big plays that were just it was pretty bad. But he also made some plays too that I thought were uh out in space that I thought he he you know what he does this that I think is that I think is needed. What's that? And that's F- effort. He always gives effort. Like there's not a play that you don't see that kid going 90 mile an hour. He may not even be in the play, but he's going to run as fast as he can to wherever he needs to be. And I think that is, you need those guys on defense. By the way, you know who made a critical play in this football game too, that we have not touched on at all. Key Lawrence. Uh, I did touch on Key Lawrence, but he deserves some more praise. We can circle back around to him. Um, hold on, hold on. Was it, oh, I was going to say, yeah. It was the offense or defense? I was going to ask you. I wanted to play that a guessing 66 game, man. Six yard run. Yeah, that was big. His legs gave out on him. He got a little tired at the end. <laughs> he ran far more than 66 yards, folks. He had to come all the way from the other side of the field to even get the handoff. And then he zigzagged his way forever. So I bet you that six, six yards was probably what? 110, 115 at the end of the day. Yeah. He covered more. a lot of ground to yeah, make that play happen. But 
brilliant, brilliant play call by Lincoln Riley in that circumstance because needed at that point you have, needed you have 90 seconds left in the third quarter. You're down 17 to seven, and Kansas has the building rocking with all the momentum. You needed to reach into the bag of tricks there and come up with something that could get you a big chunk play. And that worked about as well as you could ask for. And absolutely. Trayvon West, like <laughs> he uh he was a guy to give it to in that situation because you saw that speed that is so tantalizing. Yeah. And That's why they let him come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, the, gonna... the, uh, the Sooners pass catchers made some big plays today. Jaden Hazelwood caught another touchdown mm-hmm. fourth and two games. Yeah. Jeremiah Hall made a really nice snag on his touchdown catch. There's a ball yeah. that was thrown back shoulder, went down and got it. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Obviously, West with the big uh, reverse. I think I think we saw Jalil Farouk make his first collegiate catch. Yeah, it was only five yards if I remember right. But uh, yeah, it was a good catch. I mean, he, he, he you could tell he was a bit hesitant. Like he was he was like overly excited. Uh, but I, you know, I you want to know who I think made he made two significant catches that nobody's talking about, and they were on big drives. The man that always makes the big catches that nobody ever talks Mills. about. No, not just him. Drake Stoops. Marvin Mims ah, only had one Drake. Catch. He had two big third down catches. One was like a third and fourteen. Remember, it was after all the the penalties. Yep, yep. Wow. Ah, Drake. That dude's gonna be an NFL football player one day. Yeah, he is. Really, he's not the really fastest. He's not the he's not the biggest, but he's he plays well. He plays hard, and he's a he's at least I think going to be a special teams guy for whoever he ends up playing with one of these days. Oh, by the way, I wanted to, and, and the reason I brought up that injury stuff earlier is because I did pull my headphones out when you were talking, and so I pulled one of my headphones so I could listen to you and I could listen to Stoops, and Stoops, and I'm going to quote him. I'm probably paraphrasing a little bit, but here's exactly what he said on the injury note. He said, look, I don't do excuses. I've never done excuses. I hate excuses. You either play well or you don't play well. That's it. But Oklahoma's missing five or six guys on defense that are significant players that make plays, and he thinks that they're going to be a different team whenever they return here in the next few weeks. And they're also ravaged offensively. They are. Because they're down Mario Williams. They're down Mike Woods. They're obviously down Theo Weiss. The fact that Brian Darby and Jalil Farouk were getting key minutes in this football game speaks to just how shorthanded Oklahoma is. Yeah, nobody nobody brought up the fact that Darby was back. <laughs> like, remember how good he he was pretty good to start the year. Uh, so that's kind of a significant. At the end of the day, wow, they missed a fifty-four yard field goal. Tennessee's going to get the ball back. Oh my goodness gracious! Hey, fans, it happens. Teams don't always play well, even Nick Saban's teams. It happens. I would love nothing more than to watch Nick Saban's team lose at home to Josh Heupel in Tennessee. Well, and you know, everybody made fun of me for saying Josh Heupel in LSU. I honestly think that he's he's a good football coach. We know he is. He was good at Oklahoma. Yeah, that's that's one bad year. That's far from a hot take. Josh Heupel, what he's been able to do at Tennessee, because listen, let's call a spade a spade here. 
He oh, was oh, stepping oh, oh, into. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Remember the last time you said that? <laughs> yes, I do. Apparently, <laughs> some people don't realize that's an expression. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that that was anything bad. I don't even think it is. Still. It's it's not anything bad. But go ahead, go ahead. I just laughed because of the comment that people made about it earlier. Go ahead. Yes, but again, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> Josh Heupel was stepping into one of the worst scenarios imaginable for a football coach when he took the Tennessee job. Like that program was and kind of is from an administrative standpoint in shambles. And he has them four and two and contending with Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Mad yeah. props to the man. But let me let me ask you something. Is that so I've always thought that that meant like the game spades like playing cards. Is that not what it means to, to call a spade, a spade means that you're going to tell it like it is. I know. I know that's what it means, but but like when you say spades, I thought that that was a reference to the card game. I think it is. Okay. I don't know the exact origins, but I don't either, but I've always said it too. And I didn't, I, I, and I still do. I just never thought that, Never mind. I'm not even going to get into this. We're going to drop that subject. Podcaster fans, please don't. <laughs> we're, we're done with this conversation. But yeah, Hypel, Hypel, bro, like he's an interesting guy. Can he coach uh, defense, Brandon? They better get him back in Norman. I need him. Yeah, people are laughing about our. Uh, oh my goodness gracious, bro! Oh no, he didn't. Okay, yeah, he got he got. Stopped. Maybe oh, you should try two offensive coordinators and no defensive coordinator. <laughs> Send him out there. You guys go play. Just figure it out. <laughs> I need eleven guys. Wide, I need eleven guys. All there. the wide receivers to defensive backs. I mean, that's what Stoops just did. Go play ball hawking. You remember that's what Stoops did when he showed up to Norman. He he had some wide receivers playing DB and some DBs playing wide receivers, and that's how he he put his team together when he first showed up in '99. Not a lot of people remember that, and that team oh. somehow. Things turned out pretty Uh-oh. good for Andre Wolfolk. Uh oh. Uh, uh, the the running back for Tennessee got hurt. So this Toto guy, he's he's pretty good, huh? Yeah, he is pretty good. He was uh, number one in our two four seven sports uh, transfer portal rankings this past off season. When he came over from Tennessee, he's facing his former team. Yeah, he is. Which I think is crazy that he's. Why did he leave Tennessee? Uh, be, well, why, why did everyone leave Tennessee? Because yeah, they were I get it. passing out money in McDonald's bags to recruits. And yeah, Hypel's in there winning with what he's got, which is just unbelievable. Like he, you remember, like he had tryouts and stuff just to field like certain positions. Mm-hmm. How is he doing this in the SEC, bro? Oh, well, first it's exceptional down. coaching. First down. Tennessee, they just ran through the punt punter. Literally just killed him. <laughs> Saban's piss. Anyways, so who who are your two players of the game? Name one on the I'm gonna go ahead and say you got Ethan Downs on defense, but who do you have offensively? Yeah, I do. Uh well, would I go Ethan? I I feel like I kind of would go Ethan Downs just by default because like I said, no one else played. Well, I, that's not true. I'm gonna go Key Lawrence because he made the one big defensive play of the day. 
the one good, that mattered a, the most. That's a good call. That's a good call. So I'm going to say Key Lawrence is my defensive MVP based on that one play. He also made a couple other real nice plays too, but obviously the strip was the most impactful. Offensively, how do you not go with Caleb Williams? Because right now, like I said, I think Oklahoma is sitting at five and three without mm-hmm. Caleb Williams. That dude has single-handedly won the last three games for Oklahoma. And I promise people are going to look at the final score last week's game against TCU and say, no, he didn't single-handedly win that game, folks. I promise you he did. I promise you he did. The way Oklahoma was playing defensively last week, yeah, that would not have held up without a guy like Caleb Williams under center. You put Spencer Rattler in Caleb Williams' shoes, that is a loss left. Not last week. I promise you that. So Oklahoma's five and three right now, in my estimation, five and three and coming off the worst loss in the history of the program. If Caleb Williams isn't around. So what he did today in the face of some adversity in his first true road game as a starter, accounting for three touchdowns and leading the Sooners back from that deficit coming on strong in the fourth quarter and making the play that, like I said, we will be talking about for years and years and years as one of the Mm -hmm. most brilliant maneuvers on a football field we've ever witnessed. You can't say enough about what he did today for Oklahoma. And I know we're probably going to kind of get repetitive and echoey in our praise of Caleb Williams, but that's how impactful he has been to this Oklahoma football team. He has put them on his shoulders the last three weeks. And that's why they're eight. No, for the first time since 2004, without him, they're not without him. They are already out of the playoff picture and fighting for their lives to try and get to the big 12 title game dead season. Mm-hmm. He's the only reason legitimately the only reason they are eight. No. Well, I, I would, for those that don't know, we're doing this real time here. Tennessee is now up 14 to seven. I mean, they are just gashing same play. They've scored on the same play in both times, just gashing the secondary of Alabama. So it's not just Oklahoma that that happens folks. Tennessee is having their way. And he did the freaking uh, crane crane kick motion when he got into the end zone off karate kid. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Uh, but my, my, uh, I, I'm going to go as far as defensively, you said key Lawrence, right? Yes. I'm going to go. Mm, I'm going to go Nick Benito. He made some pretty big plays in the backfield or and caused some pressure early on and obviously got a big sack at on the last drive, which it was a meaningless drive, but did you see him split the two double team guys to get to him on the last to get to uh uh Bates on the last last uh uh the last drive that they had? Did you see that? Yeah, man. He can play so, some ball. Yeah, Bean. I said Bates, Bean, but yeah, man, I, I like Benito. I was either going to go to Benito or I was going to go Witter. And part of me wants to say Witter because when he started playing, they just upped their game against the run. Huh. I'm going to go Witter. And I, I think it would be stupid if I didn't go Caleb Williams. Like, 
that the two fourth down plays or two of the, I mean, the guy's a freak. He's a freak. He's unbelievable. On top of that, he's a really good kid. Uh, he has a great head on his shoulders and he just plays heady all the time. He made a mistake and he didn't let that mistake. Cause it was a big one early on get to him. And then he made up for it. That fourth and fourth and like one or two or whatever it was where Brooks is stopped and he goes up and pulls the ball out. Kennedy said that he made eye contact with Caleb and they just let it go. You were on the call. I thought that was just crazy. The eye contact and for, for both of them to be thinking the same thing, Hey, I'm going to give you this ball. You're going to take it and try to go get a first down in a matter of a second, not in a millisecond. How crazy is that for them to be on the same like ESP? Like that's you will never you will never see another play like that, Brandon. You won't. That is literally a once in a lifetime kind of play. That I firmly believe, were it not for that play, I am fully convinced. I don't know if Kansas wins the game, but I'm fully convinced they go down and score and take the lead. Absolutely, I I, I agree. I agree. But in the end, Oklahoma wins 35-23. They're eight and zero with a chance to go nine and zero again for the first time since 20, 2004 when Oklahoma went undefeated in the season and ended up winning the big 12. I think they were 14 and zero when they went into the, uh, no, they're yeah, no, they're 13 and zero going into the, to the uh, bowl game. They've got a chance to be 13 and zero again for the first time. I mean, they legitimately have a chance to end up 13 and zero, folks. Like think about that. And I know some fans are going to like, well, the way their defense is playing, they're not going to, we say this every year about Oklahoma. Well, the defense doesn't do this. The defense doesn't do that. If they don't do this, they don't do that. What happens in November every year, the defense somehow becomes competent <laughs> November 1st, all of a sudden it's a competent defense. And they're that way all the way through the month of December, all the way, all the way through the month of November, all the way through the big 12 title game. And then some aspects they are the same in a, in the playoff game. I mean, outside of LSU and Georgia and the first quarter of Alabama, I mean, they've been pretty good in the postseason, have they not? Because Alabama game, no, they, they haven't they won up. yet. I'm, I'm not talking. I'm talking about collectively bowls and playoffs, not just playoffs. LSU game, they were bad. Georgia game, they were bad. In the first quarter of the Alabama, first quarter of the Alabama game. Yeah. After the yeah, first I'm quarter of Alabama, they were they were outstanding after that, actually. Uh so but they've been good in 2016 against Auburn. They were good last year against Florida. So they, they've been decent. I mean, they've had moments where they've been good. OU fans, you know they can be good. We all know they can be good. It's just a matter of when is this team team going to put a complete game together because the second they start doing that, they might be the best team in the country outside of Georgia, but they've got to do it first. And I think that's something every OU fan thought was going to be easy and happen, but it doesn't just happen. It's not something you can just snap and it happens. You've got to have everything on your side, whether it's injuries or lack thereof, 
cohesiveness, cohesiveness with the quarterbacks, the receivers, all that. I mean, OU's had a – would you not say this is probably one of the more dramatic up-and-down seasons as far as on and off the field, just newsworthy stuff that's been going on, whether it's injuries, whether it's quarterback situations, whether it's is he at practice, is he not at practice, all that type of stuff. One of the more dramatic years you've ever been a part of or you've seen during your lifetime? There has been so much drama this oh, year, yes. Brandon. I I think you go back to 2018 for a comparable amount of drama. Hey, hey by the way, <laughs> we're starting to trend towards 2018 vibes with this football team because what was the story of 2018? It was the quarterback bailing out the defense. And yeah. I know you're going to get guys back and you'll get healthy again on defense, but right now, at least in the last three games, what has the storyline been? The quarterback bailing out mm-hmm. the defense. And that's only 100%. sustainable for so long. Yep. It is. So we'll see how this plays out. I think Oklahoma wins next week, obviously. I think I I I think, and this isn't a report. I just wanted to tell you all this. I think they get Redmond. I think they get Graham. And I think they get DTY back for sure next week. And I think just getting those three back is huge for Oklahoma defensively. Now, if they can get, if they can just get Woody Washington back, and I I think it's either going to be the Tech game or the Baylor game that you see his return. I kind of lean towards Baylor because you want to give him a little bit more with the bye. Because, I mean, a hernia injury is not the easiest thing to come back from, especially yeah. the surgery part of it. But I, you get it, when you get those four, if you can stay healthy through the Tech game and get those four guys back, coming off the bye, you would think that Oklahoma – would be able to perform pretty well at Waco, right? I mean, that you would think so, right? Man, you again, you would think so, but then again, has OU ever lost out of a bye with Riley? I don't think they have, have they? Offhand, gosh, I don't know. I don't think they have. Coming off a bye, I don't think they've lost. Was Kansas State in 2019 coming off a bye? No, no, no. You know what? You know what? Last year, last year, Kansas State, State was coming State, off a Kansas bye. Kansas State, yeah. They played two weeks and then they had a bye. That's right. That's yep. right. So there you go. Well, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Do you want me to tell you what just happened? Please tell me what just happened. Bryce Young completes a pass to Williams. And the Tennessee dude walks up, comes up, basically does exactly what uh, Key Lawrence did and literally swings Mike Tyson, swings at the ball and punches it out. It plops right up and rolls right into the Tennessee's uh, safety's hands. And he takes off the other direction. Now, he, he didn't score, but the fact is, is they're on their own like nine and a half yard line. And Alabama was going to go score, but they stopped them from scoring. Again. Hey, you know what, Brandon? The the last time you were verbally live tweeting an Alabama game during the post game podcast, they lost. Alabama lost. So hey, they lost. 
if uh, if Tennessee pulls this off tonight, this is going to have to become a regular thing. We'll have to do this every <laughs> single week while Alabama's playing. I don't think Roll Tide fans would appreciate that very much. Uh, their opponents will. Wow. 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 Oh, face masks too. Um, let's talk about where you're, where you've been. Like, so I just want to everybody know, OU insider. We've been all over the place. Like I'm in Florida right now. I'm the touristly at an OU football game covering it for you guys. And a lot of times I fly back, but with it being 11 a.m. kickoff was unable to do so this week. Parker took my spot, him and Joey. They did, they did their thing up there in Kansas. And I'm really glad I wasn't there for that because I just, it's just been a weird deal. Like I, I games like that. I'm not a fan of sitting there and just being, cause I like to be able to relax and just watch it and absorb what's going on and get to see the replays and all that type of stuff. But I know it's our job to be there. So we do it for the OU fans, but you went and saw Who'd you go? Caden Green last night. Did you go see Sean Davy and Bradley too? Or no? Yes, I saw both Caden Green and Sean okay. Davy and Bradley. Uh, okay. We're going to both. Sean Davy and Bradley is going to be in town for an OU visit next week. So Bradley was visited by uh, Jamar Kane. Was that his game, correct? No, he was not. Uh, Whose game was told, he at? Uh, he was actually taking a look at a guy that Oklahoma hasn't even offered yet. Edric Hill, 2023 defensive Hill. lineman. Okay. Yes. So maybe an offer forthcoming there, uh, but was able to confirm that that's where Jamar Kane was last night. And, yeah. Bill, Bill Beatonbow was evaluating Caden Green. So saw Coach B out there, at least Summit North. Uh, Sean Davey and Bradley, uh, I have been told that they intend to get an in-person eval on him over the bye week. So uh, clearly, OU very much interested there. They've had an offer outstanding to him for, I want to say, close to six months now. Mm -hmm. So they were one of the teams that jumped in early on the six foot five, 210 pound edge rusher out of Platte County, Missouri. Uh, He and I have gotten really tight. He's a really good kid. Uh, He'll be bringing his teammate, Garrett Smith, 2023 defensive back with him on the OU visit next week. So mm-hmm. both those guys are going to be in town for Texas tech, uh, by the way, for those that missed it in the notes dump uh, a couple days back, Javante Barnes has also confirmed his official visit date. So he's going to be in town against Iowa state on November 20th. I know that really isn't pertinent to either green or Bradley, but just figured, you know, Barnes is one of the uncommitted guys whose name right. pops up the most on our board. So want to make sure that didn't slip through the cracks for anybody. Javante Barnes will be in town on November 20th for the Iowa state game. And then obviously I, I I'm from what I'm told and was talking to people around Derek Moore and I was talking to people around uh, Marvin Jones jr. I believe on the bye week, I don't think Kane will be the one seeing Shandavian Bradley. I, it'll probably be Thibodeau, I would assume, at that juncture. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. I gotta, I'm about to do some double checking on that. It's but I was, gonna be Alex Grinch. Okay, it'll be Grinch. Okay, well, there you go. Because uh, Kane is supposed to be uh, seeing Derek Moore and then flying down to andor doing it's flip-flop one or the other he's seeing one or the other marvin jones and Derek moore and then on a thursday and then seeing the other on a friday so that is where he will be uh according to what i was told by those staffs um and i was down and i'm still down 
in Florida. I'm in the Panhandle. I'm right outside Destin, Florida, Niceville. I'm trying to. Uh, I went down to see Azaria Thomas, a four-star defensive back that took an official visit to Oklahoma. And I'm going to sit here and tell y'all right now, if that kid doesn't end up in Norman, I will be shocked at this juncture. I just have a really good feeling. He actually joked with me about my crystal ball. He's like, bro, was that you that put the crystal ball in for me? I was like, yeah, he goes, y'all wild, man. Y'all wild. And I said, why is that? He said, y'all just, y'all crazy. Just assuming things, obviously after I talked to him a little more and I got to know him a little more, I started to get the feeling that he's and the people around him. Also the staff out there, everybody, you, you really got the feel that Oklahoma was where things were really leaning at this juncture. He had a top three of Georgia tech LSU and Florida. His brothers both play. They're both seniors and or grad seniors um, at Georgia tech. And there's a chance neither one of them will be there next year. So it would make sense that he would go somewhere else besides Georgia tech. And that's kind of what I think is going to happen. I think it's an OU Florida battle. And I think Oklahoma leads right now. And I think Oklahoma is in a really good spot. He hasn't set up a date. He said he's going to in the very near future though. He's going to reach out to either myself, Steve Wiltfong and or Andrew Ivins down in Florida and set up a CBS sports announcement. So that's how he wants to do it. And whenever that does, whenever that happens, OU insider people will be the first to know we will have that date for everybody. We'll tell y'all on the VIP stuff. Uh, but I, I really like where Oklahoma sits with him. I think Oklahoma is in a really good spot. As a matter of fact, our boss, Brian Bishop, speaking of Marvin Jones, Jr. was watching Marvin Jones, Jr. Last night and Brandon Ennis and I was down there the week prior and I continue to hear Marvin Jones, Oklahoma, Steve Wolfong, as a matter of fact, his bold prediction, Oklahoma is where he thinks Marvin Jones is going to end up right now as things sits. And that is after a Georgia visit. So that shows you how well things went when Marvin Jones visited Oklahoma. Number one, number two, it shows you how well Jamar Kane, Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch are recruiting said, uh, Marvin Jones. So Oklahoma is doing a really good job. They're building stuff up fans. It's not always going to be bad. I promise you not everything's bad. Things will start writing its ship out and uh, you know, it'll get a lot better. Colin Kennedy was down there in uh, Waco. He was at Conley high school last night, seeing 2023 running back Trey Wisner. I'm going to have a note on Wisner coming up on the OU insider board here in the next 24 hours, I got a bunch of notes coming as a matter of fact. So tomorrow you guys will get part two of my predictions of 2022. If you haven't seen it yet, I got a part one of my predictions of what's remaining for Oklahoma and where I think the guys are going and my reasons why. And I got part two coming tomorrow. So Sunday, so it's going to be a big deal. There's going to be a lot of stuff for OU fans, OU insider fans. So it's not all bad. Obviously, Oklahoma is going to be hosting uh, some some players this next weekend as well with uh, the Texas Tech game being a home game. So we'll have all that stuff for you on OU Insider and a lot, a lot of other notes as we close out the month of October. And Oklahoma looks to go undefeated in the month of through the month of October for the first time in 18 years. First time in 18 years they've made it out of the month of October undefeated if they do that. 
How about that? And we know they don't lose in November. Mm, I wouldn't at say least that. historically. At and least historically, historically. The, yes. since 2014, <laughs> they have not lost in November. Obviously, that is subject to change, and based on what we saw today, subject to change very soon. But <laughs> hope springs eternal, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, you better start leaning on hope. I'm just kidding. No, I think things will start right in the ship. I think Oklahoma, for some odd reason, they flip a switch in November and they just become a really good team. And, and you would hope today, here's the thing, you would hope today is what helps them flip the switch because talking to so. people close to the program, the overarching vibe all week was nobody really wants to play this game. They all I regard know. it as me. Well, they took Monday off. They took Monday off. The thing about it is, <laughs> I apparently, I mean, we found out today. You can't take anything for granted, even against Kansas. I figured, like I figured, probably like much of the Oklahoma team, that Kansas was the one team you could take it for granted against. Turns out that wasn't the case. So, right. Hopefully, lesson learned this week, and they come out with a renewed intensity for one more game before the bye against Texas Tech next week at home. Then you get to rest up, get guys healthy, and you got the three game stretch to, to close the year in Big Twelve play. And and I want people to understand this, like. Penn State lost today. Alabama is struggling against Tennessee. Cincinnati barely beat Navy. This is just a weird year. No matter how you slice it, it's a weird, 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 weird year. So the fact that Oklahoma is 8-0 eight eight no for the first time in 18 years, first off, that's hard to make sense of. Secondly, if OU wins by one point the rest of the year and they end up undefeated, are OU fans really going to get mad about how they ended up winning the national title? Are they? Are they going to be yeah. upset about this game? <laughs> yeah, after when they're hoisting the trophy, OU fans are going to be like, we didn't really deserve that. We didn't deserve that. No, we did not deserve this. We only won by 12 points versus Kansas. That in itself makes it non-existent to win a national title. You really think we can repeat next year with this kind of play? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is there's somebody on our board. That's like that somewhere, somehow somebody's going to say something like that. My advice to every sooner fan listening. Don't be so wrapped up in the future that you don't enjoy the present. And right now what's happening in the present is Oklahoma is riding the nation's longest winning streak. They have the best mm. quarterback in America at this particular moment in time. And they should realistically be nine and oh, three weeks from now when they head to Waco for what you would imagine will be a prime time matchup. Look, it's not all good. I'm not going to pretend that it is. <laughs> there are concerns. There always are. Well, I think but we've voiced that there are, but there are <laughs> at least 120 FBS programs across the nation that would love to be in Oklahoma shoes right now. You're dang right. You are dang right. And like you said, it's not all good. And I think we voiced the fact that it's not all good. I think we've said enough of that throughout the whole podcast by saying, well, they didn't do this right. They didn't do this right. And they got to be better here on defensively. They got to do this. And they got to do that. At some point, you've got to sit back and go, man, eh, they're, 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 they're eight. No, they've won 17 straight games. 
at what point do you go, okay, they're in a pretty good spot. Regardless of what happens, as long as they keep winning, it doesn't matter. One point more than the opponent is another W, and you keep moving on. Because if OU's undefeated, they're not going to not be in the playoffs. They're in the playoffs if they're undefeated. Cincinnati will not. Like The fact that Cincinnati barely beat Navy today is going to weigh heavily on their... Because they've got to... They have got to win, and they've got to win pretty. Is that not correct, Parker? Yeah, Cincinnati is in a far, is in a far tighter spot resume wise than Oklahoma. Yeah. Which I know I saw people on Twitter going, "Well, if we're gonna have the eye test conversation about Cincinnati, we gotta have the same conversation about Oklahoma if they run no, you the don't. table." And no, you don't. You don't. They With don't. as many quality wins as Oklahoma will have on their resume. <laughs> an undefeated resume, at least. They They're going to be four. solidly, at least straight, four, maybe five. Four straight games versus top 25 teams to end the season. Four. Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Big 12 title game. Who else is going to, who else is going to end their season with a schedule like that? And the fact that I think that's something we're going to have to talk about extensively on Tuesday is the gauntlet Oklahoma's about to partake in in two weeks. It's going to get real, OU fans, and real, really fast. But there ain't no right now. They won 35-23 today, and we are going to call it quits on this OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast. I want to thank everybody for being on OU Insider. I want to thank everybody for visiting OU Insider. I want to thank all of our members. Uh, And the reason I say all this is because we are pushing at 14 million page views on October 23rd. 14 million with nine days still left in the month. We are going to be close to 20 million when it's all said and done. And that is because of you, the OU fan. We want to thank you guys so much for being there. And I want to thank you all because I just found out yesterday that we're pushing at like almost 200 new members this month too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Our board is so busy and it's because of you. Yeah. We get into arguments. Yeah. I don't agree with some of y'all. Sometimes you guys don't agree with me. You guys don't agree with Parker sometimes. And he doesn't agree with you all. Same with Colin, same with Joey. It doesn't matter, but you know, at the end of the day, we're here. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun. Nobody's going to agree on everything, but that's what makes it fun. As long as it's civil, as long as we're having fun. And that's what that board's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about if we fun. wanted an echo chamber of opinions, we'd go to Facebook. <laughs> Fair enough. And I'm telling y'all right now that you guys have made it fun. As long as we bring the information, you guys will be happy. And we plan to keep on doing that in droves. We have some really cool stuff coming up. Uh, we got, we haven't announced it yet, but we will be adding another member to Oh, you insider. And I don't want to get into too much detail. This person is right now employed at one of the biggest sports networks in the nation. 
and he is a multimedia freak. So you're oh, going to oh, get you're, you're you're teasing this, huh? I'm teasing it, and he's a YouTube. I mean, he's not he's not a huge name yet, but he's he's a fast riser. Hey, neither are we, Brandon. I so. know that's so fair enough, fair enough, and that's what I'm saying. Like no, none of us were when we first got hired, and yet here we are. You all listen to us, and you love it. And this guy is going to create our our YouTube channel, and it's going to be off the chain. He's going to create all the Instagram videos in the world, the Twitter videos in the world. He's going to bring uh, recruiting information from the DFW area. It is going to be awesome, awesome, awesome. It's just another addition, thanks to you all making OU Insider so big that we continue to be able to grow and grow in droves. So thank you once again. Uh, if you haven't signed up, please sign up right now. Uh, we would love to have you guys at least give us a shot. Come give us a try, folks. It's $1 for the first month. If you don't want to, you can cancel it. Nine ninety-five after that, $10 a month. I mean, that's nothing. Or you can sign up right now for $75. We'll get you 12 months. $75 gets you 12 months. That's actually a lot cheaper in value. And it's normally around $108. So it's a great deal. It is a great deal. 12 months. That means you will get almost all the way through the 2022 season before you got charged again. So that if you want to come join us, we would love to have you. Come say hello. Come say, hey, I'm new to this board. And you will get welcomed on our board. Everybody loves the new members. But Oklahoma won 35-23 to 23 over Kansas in one of the worst performances in a win we have seen in a long time. But there ain't no for the first time since 2004. That's going to do it for the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners Posting Podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. Speaking for Parker Thune, you guys have a blessed night. We'll see you all on Wednesday. for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today